Welcome to Living in the Shade of an 80s Arcade, episode 41, where today we're going to talk about movies and arcade games. Almost live from the 80s arcade studio located in beautiful Grove City, Ohio, with today's topic video games and movies. And we're going to do this with a top five. And it's basically a movie where video games were either crucial to the prop, crucial to the plot, or there was actually a video game in that. And we'll talk about the movies. Uh, we'll talk about the games. And we'll start with number five. This is a video game. I got it working. My dad taught me about these. It is Wild Gunman. How do you play this thing? I'll show you, kid. I'm a crack shot at this. You mean you have to use your hands? That's like a baby's toy. Hmm. Baby's toy. Number five is Back to the Future 2 with Marty McFly traveling to the year 2015. <laughs> How ironic is that we're talking about this in the year 2021. So Back to the Future if you haven't seen either the first movie or this movie, um, you're missing out. <laughs> uh, this scene, uh, which I actually did play the whole the audio from the whole scene, um, uh, Marty comes into the Cafe 80s to meet uh, Biff. Uh, actually, not Biff, Griff. Griff, who is Biff's son, Biff Tannen's son, Griff Tannen. And, uh, you know, this is when Marty went to the future to help prevent his son and daughter going to jail and stuff like that. Um, but it, it, it's just a classic movie. Uh, and uh, they, uh, if, if by the way, if you haven't listened to the last Living in the 80s podcast, which came out, uh, well, not this week's because this is come out come out the same day, uh, but that this show is. But if you haven't listened to uh, last week's show, it's all about Back to the Future. So uh, you definitely want to check that out. So, but uh, the game in this in this scene is Wild Gunman, which I never really knew was actual, real, honest to god uh, arcade machine, but it was. Uh, it first came out in Japan, January. Uh, 1984 is when it came out in Japan. In the U.S., actually, this is one of those few things where the U.S. actually had this before Japan did. And United, it came out in the United States in April 24th, 1986. It's one of those light gun games, very similar to Duck Hunt, but it had a cowboy. And you were a cowboy. And, uh, you know. And according to Back to the Future 2, it was a baby's toy. So let's go ahead and talk about 
Number four. Super Mario Brothers! Three! To your station! 1989's The Wizard, starring Fred Savage from The Wonder Years. It's the story of, uh, well, the wizard. Uh, <laughs> the wizard, uh, he was a Freddy's brother, uh, Fred Savage's brother in the movie. Um, probably not his real brother. And um, they come to find out that uh, his brother was really great at video games. Uh, so uh, they decide, uh, a bunch of kids, try to figure out. How to get his little brother to the World Video Game Championships where they got to play Super Mario Brothers 3, which is one of the great versions of the Mario series. Uh, the bug, his brother was named Jimmy Woods. He was a young boy suffering from PTSD after his twin sister Jennifer drowned two years earlier. Prone to wandering away from home at random at random times, perpetually carries around a lunchbox while frequently repeating the word California. Uh, Jennifer's death resulted in split split of Jimmy's family. He lives with his mother Christine and stepfather Mr. Bateman, while his older half brother Nick and Corey live with their father Sam. Exasperated by Jimmy's behavior, Christine and Mr. Bateman decide to commit. Jimmy to an institution, unwilling to allow it. Corey sneaks Jimmy out, and they start traveling on foot to Los Angeles. Nick and Sam resolve to bring the boys back while in competition with Mr. Putman, greedy pounty hunter hired by Mr. Bateman and Christine to find Jimmy. At the bus station, Jimmy and Corey meet Haley Brooke. Blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to go ahead and read the whole article, but great movie. Includes... Uh, as I said, Super Mario Brothers 3. So now, let's go ahead and talk about number 3. Number 3 is Tron. Tron was a groundbreaking movie in many ways. Uh, Tron came out in the year 1982. And Tron, uh, the name of the movie, actually doesn't come from the major character in the movie. The name Tron comes from a character in the movie, but not the major character. And Tron was a program inside the computer world uh inside the encom uh, which encom was the computer company in the video game tron or in the movie tron uh that uh encom was the evil corporation akin to that world's uh microsoft and uh, in the game in the movie uh, jeff bridges uh, stars as flynn Flynn is the guy who basically writes the video games in the movies. Um, uh, Space Paranoids is the name of the game that he wrote in the computer. 
or in the computer on his computer in the real world uh and um uh Flynn finds out his best friend um uh, who still works at Encom uh what was his name uh, it was played by Boost like Boxleitner his name was Alan Bradley okay and he's a work partner and fellow programmer at Encom he kind of find out that um Dillinger uh played by uh, David Warner uh, who was the vice president of Vencom, was s- stealing the games that uh, uh, Flynn was writing. So uh, they partner with Dr. Let's see, Dr. Gibbs, who um, is the co-founder of Vencom, and he has developed a device that's attached to the Vencom mainframe that's capable of digitizing matter so in in the movie he digitizes an apple so we come to find out the master control program which is a program that was uh i think the master control was written by dillinger i think to help uh control security uh and basically rule the internal mainframe world so the mcp takes control of this matter device and when flynn uh is allowed in by mr into uh, dr gibbs lab uh to uh break in and hopefully find the evidence that he needs to uh show dillinger was up to no good uh the master control program actually digitizes flynn and brings him into the world inside the uncommon frame uh, the game grid is, I think, they call part of it in there. So, and then in, inside the uh, computer, you see uh, programs uh, that are compete in different games. Uh, you know, they f- compete in, a f- in this game. They p- compete in a game kind of like a high lie. And there's light bikes, light cycles, I should say. And it's just a really great video game. Groundbreaking movie effects. They had a uh, one of the first movies to ever have uh, computer-generated effects, and it's just a great video, great, great video game, a great movie. Because there was actually a video game that was spawned off of that. Uh, actually, two of them. The the one, the main one you know of is Tron, uh, which has the translucent, translucent uh, blue joystick. And then Discs of Tron was probably a little bit less popular than Tron, but both those uh, contributed to the video game world and were inspired by video games. Number two. Reading Starfighter. You have been recruited by the Star League to defend the frontier against Sewer and the Kodan Armada. Get ready? Prepare for blast off. This is the last Starfighter as number two. The last Starfighter is the adventure film that I already had a full episode on. <laughs> um, but The Last Starfighter involves Alex Rogan, who is a, a uh, senior in high school, getting ready to go to, hopefully, college, and he's hoping to go to college where he doesn't have to live at home. <laughs> uh, the game, the uh, computer 
game, a video game oriented movie. The Last Starfighter came out in 1984. Uh, Alex Rogan, he came out to to uh, the trailer park, and they somehow got this video game, the last the Last Starfighter. Actually, Starfighter is the name of the video game. And Starfighter, um, as we come to find out, was a modern-day version of the Excalibur test. <laughs> so um, the alien um, in the movie Centauri, played by Robert Preston, uh, inadvertently placed this system, this video game system, on the porch of the, the trailer park, and Alex became really good at it and actually broke the record. And when he broke the record, that sent a message to Centauri that they found a starfighter on Earth. Uh, so Centauri came, took him to Rylos, where the initially attempted to recruit Alex uh, to be a, uh, the um, the starfighter piloting the gun a Gunstar against Zor and the Kodan Armada. Uh, so uh, really great movie. They actually uh, Atari. If you watch the movie towards the tail end of the movie. It promises a release of this game by Atari, and Atari actually started to develop the game. And I believe the control controller that came from the stand up, well, not just stand up, but the uh, Vector Classic uh, Star Wars, uh, was the initial control that Atari was planning on putting in the Starfighter video game. It was never released. Now there was a um, port of uh they basically took um star raiders 2 reskinned it and they made that a video game for the atari 8-bits uh and then later on rogue synapse actually released a actual game for the excuse me it's late night um but for uh, dos computers they bring out a game uh called the last starfighter and it had all the graphics that looked exactly like starfighter so let's go on to talk about number one which also happens to be the namesake for this show And that was a, a little bit of a scene from the arcade scene in the movie War Games from 1983. In War Games, we have David Lightman, who is a uh, basically an underachiever at high in high school, but really intelligent, and he's huge into video games. Um, and he has. Uh, one of those lucky people that for some odd reason actually has a uh, MSI 8080 computer and he was able to use that to uh, war dial is what, uh, what the term they call it uh, in uh, fine computers and his, his all whole idea where was he wanted to 
find new games. So, uh, and uh, so he accidentally stumbled upon uh, a, a Sunnyvale number that happened to connect to the Whopper or the War Operation Planned and Response Computer that was controlled by the North American, um, see NORAD. I'll just say NORAD, <laughs> uh, who happens to be the the uh, government, uh, the Department of Defense's program uh, with Canada and a few others uh, to uh, watch over the United States for the possible uh, launching of nuclear weapons at us from uh, the USSR. So, if you haven't seen the movie, uh, uh, first off, what are you doing? A second, uh, then you'll, you'll need to check out the uh, the movie uh, on YouTube. It's actually, the full movie is on YouTube for free right now. Uh, but you probably can also watch it on uh, Netflix. Uh, keep in mind, if you watch it on YouTube, there is some editing of the movie. But there's really not a whole lot that's missed uh, with this particular movie. So that's my number one. All right. So we're going to go to the honorable mentions after the break. Uh, but first, before I do that, I want to thank my friend Rob, living in the 80s, for promoting this show. And I want to thank you uh, to Jason Peitzmeyer, who didn't promote this show, but still has a great show of, of his own, uh, True in the Fat, uh, as well as Free for All, which is his political show uh, presented by Chewing the Fat. And uh, he's got some other shows he's got in the works, so uh, keep an eye out for those. So uh, before I go too much further, I do want to thank Anchor for hosting this show. Uh, and uh, I also want to thank Spotify, Apple Apple, uh, bleh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, so on and so forth. Because uh, without that, uh, you would not be able to listen to this show. So let's go ahead and go thank Anchor some more. And we're back from the break. I want to thank everyone for listening so far. Let's go talk about our... I'm not going to probably paint, play uh, too many of these movies, uh, clips from these movies. Uh, we're getting a little close. Uh, I don't want to get the show pulled down for any copyright infringements or anything like that because I just want to talk about these movies uh, and uh, just show the greatness of uh, of video games of the 80s and We'll just talk about that some more. All right, so let's go into our honorable mentions. Other movies that um, were great because they included video games, uh, but uh, may not have just made my list. Um, number, well, just there's no numbers here for these. Uh, we'll just talk about uh, them in the order, in any old order here. Uh, the Next one is going to be Terminator 2. Uh, in Terminator 2, uh, John Connor played the video game Afterburner. Uh, it was a sit-down version of the game in the movie. And he also happened to play Missile Command in the movie, too. Uh, he, so he... Uh, uh, let's see. Hold on a second. He says... It's a much better game than Afterburner, but it wasn't the one that made every gamer watching the film say, I want to play that. Uh, that's true. 
Um, that's that's the fun fact in the article that I'm I'm using the li building the list from here. So um, so that one it was uh, Terminator Two was uh, probably not eighties, but the the uh, afterburner is eighties. Uh, other honorable mentions here would be uh, let's see. Uh, it's not an 80s movie, uh, but it's kind of inspired by that. Uh, Wreck-It Ralph, uh, many years ago. Um, but it was it was in the two th 2000s when this came out. Uh, but uh, the uh, game in the movie was uh, never really a real game. It was called Fix-It Felix Jr. Uh, and it's actually that video game is actually now a real arcade game that can be played at Disneyland, which is pretty amazing. And you can actually, um, there is a stand-up arcade system you'll usually see at Sam's Club. Uh, we're starting to roll into that year, that time of year where we start thinking about Christmas, uh, so they'll eventually get that. Um, other and not, not, some of these aren't necessarily movies as much as they are. Uh, uh, documentaries in some cases. Uh, Donkey Kong uh, is featured in The King of Kong, A Fistful of Quarters. Uh, it also is not an 80s movie, but it basically talks about uh, the the main character, Billy Mitchell, in this game. Uh, he plays uh, Donkey Kong. Uh, and it's kind of, like I said, it's kind of a documentary almost, but not quite. Uh, but it's an interesting movie nonetheless. I actually haven't watched it yet. So it's on my short list of ones I will watch. <laughs> but I just can't seem to find it uh, when it when uh, when I want to. So, um, but that's gonna be it for this show this week. Um, again, I want to thank Anchor. Uh, thank uh, my friends Rob and Jason. Uh, they've been uh, great supporters of the show. And thank you on Facebook. Uh, keep uh, going. Keep the group going. Uh, we see somebody just joined this week, and I can't remember who it was. I got a oh Travis, Travis Young, uh, who is uh, from Roundtown Radio, and that's where we also are being heard. So uh, keep listening, to Roundtown Radio uh, in Circleville, and uh, just just keep on uh, uh, listening to this show. Keep great. Thank you for the support. Thank you for listening. And I hope you guys have a great week. And next week, I think we're going to talk about interesting video game peripherals. There's peripherals that came out in the 80s. Uh, just like a like, um, little bit, a little while ago when the Wii was a popular system. Uh, you know how they brought out a whole bunch of cheap junk to hook up to uh, the Wiimotes to make them like golf clubs, tennis rackets, and, and uh, heck, even a bowling ball for that matter. Well... Uh, the 80s started that mess with some wild controllers. So we're going to talk about some of those really interesting controllers. Some good, some bad, all of it fun. And I hope you guys have a great week. Thank you for listening, and God bless. <laughs>